Welcome to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities, grow their authority, and help them build partnerships with top influencers. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspiration podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. All right, with us right now, we've got Scott Tarsi. And Scott, you're the owner of caddesignhelp.com. You're an inventor, engineer, and you're the host of The Engineering Entrepreneur. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me. So, Scott, uh, give me a little background on how you got into engineering, and we'll, we'll then from there we'll we'll discuss how you became a media personality <laughs> in this field. Yeah, so it's a, it's been an interesting uh, uh, story. Um, so, from high school, I was pretty good at math and science, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do in college. But my dad was an engineer; he basically talked me into it. Didn't really have a passion for it, I would say at the time, but that's what I did. And then when I graduated, I started working a corporate job as a design engineer. So my first job was actually designing like, imagine like an outdoor pump or out, outdoor pond for fish or aquariums inside. But primarily I, I was on the outside stuff. And so I would design these pumps and various koi pond products. And then from there, I went to a different company and designed dishwashers. And that was fine, but I didn't like that lifestyle particularly of, you know, working nine to five or more like eight to six. Um, you know, I had to go to a lot of meetings. I didn't really get, I liked the design part. I really started to like actually doing the CAD and the, uh, and figuring it's problem solving, but I spent a lot of time in meetings. So I was really motivated by the four hour work week and, um, a couple of podcasts I found the tropical NBA podcast. These guys are essentially location independent entrepreneurs. Yeah. Cause they do what they want. You know, they work the projects they want and they work the hours they want. So I started this on the side. I, I, you know, one of the other books was the hundred dollar startup. And it was basically like, can you take a skill that you have that you have a passion for and will people pay you for it? And I was able to find a group in uh, Charlotte where I live uh, called the inventors network of the Carolinas. And so this is my client base. This is the people that, that need me and I can help them because an inventor needs, you know, a CAD design first and then a prototype to kind of test it out. And then from then they can go further into manufacturing. And so when I went to this meeting, I got my first client there who had an existing thing like invention of some, I can't remember what it was, something with retail, but he, uh, he had a previous engineer quit working for him and I was able to pick it up and finish it. And that's kind of how I got started. I did it on the side for about six months, built up to the business where I was working like 80 hours a week between my full-time job and this uh, side job. And I just got the point. I was like, I got to choose one or the other. I can't yeah. sustain this work. I mean, 80 hours a week, I can't keep it up. So I chose my side hustle because that's really where the passion was and i noticed immediately once i had that extra 40 hours free i could grow the business exponentially and i equaled my salary in the first year which is pretty rare the podcasts that i've heard in the past talk about three needing three years of full-time effort to equal your salary and i did it in one and then i was able to double and then triple my salary in years since and then it's been pretty sustainable so, I mean, essentially, I mean, you're, you definitely started your own business. You're kind of acting as a freelancer, right? I am, but I'm more than that because I, if I did all the work myself, I would be a pure freelancer. I also hire people. It's the only way I could scale this. Well, another thing I noticed, once I had the 40 hours, yeah, I could land more projects. But then I got to the point where I can only do so much. Right. I can't land anymore. So I've hired five people since then. 
and that's where I've scaled it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that first year, however, and, you know, mm-hmm. I run into this a lot and people talk about, well, what businesses are um, maybe less risky to start. And sure. I'd say, you know, as you, you may have this grand vision for what it is that you want to create and you want to have, you know, 40 people on the team and you want to have office space and you want to be, you know, in stores nationwide and that side, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Well, starting a business like that right out of the gate, that's really hard to do. Uh, however, take what you're really good at professionally and offer those services individually. That's a great way to get the ball rolling. That's, uh, that's work exactly as in many ways as a freelancer, you know, at the kind of the lifestyle business level. Um, you don't have to worry about a bunch of overhead. You don't need to necessarily bring in, you know, five to 10 employees on day one. Now you can get there if you want to. And I think case in point, what you did, your pattern is you got too busy. And then you realized, listen, I got a bottleneck right here where I can't expand until I bring somebody else on. And so it's, it's almost like let the business and income decide your next steps based on, you know, your number one job is just, you know, getting new business and then fulfilling that business and then kind of going from there. Does that sound about right? Exactly. Um, you know, there was a lot of a lot of thoughts I had of different a different. The ultimate goal was to, was to basically free up my lifestyle. That was my goal, and there was many ways to do it. But you're exactly right. The lowest barrier to entry, the lowest upfront cost, was just providing a service business, not trying to create a product and a and and, and it's lower risk too. So yeah, I mean, the upfront cost really was almost zero outside of like getting a domain name, a website. Right. I did have to get the professional software. When I first started, I was just using kind of this free engineering software, which wasn't very good. But the reason I did that is because I wasn't sure if I was going to ever scale it enough to justify the very expensive professional level. And then once I started realizing how much better, because I, I had used the professional level at my day job, the SolidWorks software, which is very expensive, but I was so much better at it. It was so much, it was just, you get what you pay for. And so I, once I had done some work for a while, I was like, okay, it's worth investing in that software. And it's kind of gone ever, ever that way since. Like when I first started, I didn't have any 3D printers and I would outsource this because the machines themselves are thousands of dollars up front. But as I noticed that everybody I did design work for really wanted a physical prototype and I kept outsourcing this and yeah, I'd mark it up a little bit, but I didn't make the most of the money. The guy I was sourcing it to was making the most. I said, if I bring this in, I can see the payback in a couple of months. And it was absolutely the case. Um, I you know I had some failures. I had some machines I bought that I, that I thought were good that ultimately didn't work out. And I lost some money there. But in the long run, I really have made back on that investment. So I guess my advice to people would be like, tread carefully. Don't throw all your money in at once. But if you can, if you're outsourcing something and you can see that you can bring it in and make that money back on your investment, like it makes business sense to do it. And that's kind of how I've always approached things. I, I, I'm very, I guess, financially conservative when it comes to taking on the next thing. But if I can see that it's going to work out or has a high probability, I'm also not so risk averse that I won't try it. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing as well. Scott, who hires a freelance CAD designer? So my clients range from individual inventors, which is a lot of them. I've had clients that have made it on the Shark Tank and actually gotten uh, investments. Uh, so various consumer products. I have businesses that just need uh, drawings done sometimes. They have a machine they just need a drawing of for their supplier that can happen. Um, 
sometimes people just need some a uh, lot of parts printed out for whatever reason you know sometimes they have a file and i just make it sometimes they need it made um it could be uh i've, I've even done very large projects with uh other engineers where we put together like a whole test system for like an assembly line so there, there's a large range of uh you know people that that have hired me for for, for various projects yeah and and where do you find all of your clients so that's a good question. Um, when I first started, I just launched the website and said, oh, they'll just come to me. And that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> for two years, nothing happened actually um, with my website. So my first client came from actually in-person networking and I still do this today. Um, I think in-person networking is huge. I, I never put that, I would never say, hey, just try to do everything online because the value of a face-to-face -face meeting is, is I think very important. But yeah, the first clients came from an inventor's group where there was a bunch of people there that had their inventions and they needed some support. And since mm -hmm. I met them all in person, I was getting all that work. But I really needed this, to go full-time. I needed to scale. So I, I did go online. Um, I tried Upwork. Didn't have a lot of success with that site. Yeah. Um, yeah, so once I uh, had kind of maxed out my in-person network, I, I the website that actually worked the best was this one called Thumbtack. And I like the way that they, they charge for the leads because they just charge a flat fee, like five bucks for, for my industry. Now it can vary. Uh, the guy I hired from my website told me that his leads were like $20 a pop. So quite a bit more. But um, ultimately that's the site that I've probably gotten 60% of my uh, revenue from directly. And then as my website has done better with my own marketing efforts of doing blogs, um, Cure.com, where you can answer people's questions related to your industry, is a really good one. I've answered a bunch of questions there, and I've gotten definitely some hires directly from that. And then also my podcast has been nice, you know. Um, and I really enjoyed make, doing the podcast because I can really talk to some other interesting people in my industry, other inventors, other engineers, and really learn some valuable things. And then obviously my audience can learn as well. Um, tell me more about why you started the podcast because a podcast can be a lot of work. So obviously, it is you know, as work, you looked absolutely. at doing that, you had a business plan around that. Um, so I, I guess kind of explain why you took that step. A couple of reasons. Uh, one of them really was I didn't I couldn't find a podcast that was really doing what I was doing. I couldn't find one, and maybe there was one back in the day four years ago when I started it, but I couldn't find it easily enough that was basically an engineer like myself who became an entrepreneur. I've never found another one like it. So I said, I'm going to go make it. And that's what I did. And, you know, I told my story on there. I've had other people like me uh, that were an engineer and became an entrepreneur and explained how they did it. And then inventors kind of sort of are engineering entrepreneurs themselves, even if they don't have an engineering degree. So all of these things was the reason I just didn't find a podcast like that. And at the same time, I knew it would be a great uh, lead magnet marketing effort it would all tie into seo right it's all the more you get your name out there and show credibility the, the better chance you have of people finding you and yeah. and realizing you know you're a good person to hire so that was the reasons i did it i never really actually thought of it as like an actual revenue source and it really hasn't been i have actually had some sponsors now i've got the audience large enough to get some but it's still just kind of a break-even thing um, but you know, like I said, the reason was, was just because I kind of wanted to, and the, the I knew the value of podcasting, like it, it's just going to become bigger and bigger. I think when consumers want to listen to something very specific to what they're interested in and podcasting is the best way to do it. 
because you can pick almost any topic you want and find a podcast on it. At least now, you know, five years after I started yeah. mine. I mean, pick anything and you can find it, you know. I wonder though if you've had clients that you've now worked with who prior to that paid engagement got to know you because of your content. I would I would assume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I've had people come to me and said, Hey, I found your podcast and I was interested in inventing stuff and you answered a ton of my questions on how does it work and how do I get a patent and how does 3D printing work and all of these things. And it's like, hey, let's I here's my project, you know, let's let's do business. Absolutely has been the case. How much does it cost if if I'm an inventor and I've got this idea? Um, how much does it cost to get plans and a, a prototype design? I mean, I know this can vary wildly, yeah, absolutely, but, but what are some examples of some things that you've produced and, and what's the general price point for those? Right. So if it's a relatively simple product, and what I mean by that is like no moving parts or maybe one, maybe two total parts with one movement, like a hinge. That typically runs around five hundred dollars for the, the design time, and maybe two or three hundred for the prototype. So under a thousand, you get into like two or three moving parts. Uh, maybe some electronics are involved, and it's a little more complicated. You know, it can go up from there to three thousand. I think the biggest project I ever did was uh, um, sort of this remote control vacuum cleaner thing a long time ago uh, oh. for pets, and it was like ten thousand because it was extremely like twenty thirty parts in there. Um, it took you know. 50 hours of design to get it all done and it oh my gosh. hours of printing. So yeah, that was an expensive one. Yeah. So what's your sweet spot in terms of like uh, the kind of your ideal product to work on or design? Well, at this point I've done so much, I feel comfortable with almost anything, but mm -hmm. it, it, most people come up with ideas that are, let's say reasonable for their budget. I've had people come to me, for example, and say, well, I want to make a brand new car. I said, listen, that's great, but let's be realistic here. Yeah. There, there's a reason there's only like four or five manufacturers in the world, and they have thousands of engineers working on it. Even if I could design the whole car myself, it would take me a lifetime to do it. Like We have to stick with, and you can never afford it anyways. It's, it's going to cost you millions of dollars up front to produce this vehicle. Like you know, A better th thing is for an individual inventor is, like for, I don't know if you heard of the drop stop. I was just thinking of car products from mm -hmm. Shark Tank. That was a great invention something totally I could do. I didn't do that one, but it was basically like a little thing that shoves in between your seat and the center console. So when you drop something, it doesn't go on the floor, like your phone or something, you drop it. I own two of those. Right. That was a great product. <laughs> and it was That's the one something. that was on Shark Tank. Yeah, it was. Yeah, exactly. It was on Shark Tank. Um, and so, you know, stuff like that, they have to, like a consumer can afford that. Okay. They're up they're I'm sure their engineering costs are a couple thousand or, or whatever for that. Their upfront tooling costs a couple thousand. Like that's very realistic for an inv individual inventor to do. And like, unless you have incredibly deep pockets, like you know, that's the kind of stuff that I think people really should try to come up with. And certainly, I've done more complicated ones. The one that I got on Shark Tank, uh, my client for there was the uh, Egg Mazing, which is basically this Easter uh, Easter egg decorating contraption that's like two pieces of plastic with a motor in there and you put the egg on it push a button and it spins it and then you just take a little pen and it puts concentric lines like so you take a red pen you yeah put it on there it draws a line you take a pink one next to it and it makes all these patterns you can do whatever you want yeah you know, a little more involved but certainly not you know too crazy but it was really a, a big hit and uh yeah the guy wore an easter bunny outfit on the show and <laughs> loved it and he got investment and i thought that was pretty cool that i you know 
did all the CAD uh, CAD design and prototyping for him. Yep, I'm looking at it right now on yeah. on Amazon. Hey, one last thing, Scott, that I know that it, just in terms of like engaging with you, um, you're, you're a fan of the uh, concept of quote velocity. What does that mean? Yeah, so this is something I heard on the Tropical MBA not long ago, and I think this is why maybe I've had as much success as I've had, um, especially like with platforms like Upwork where I, or, or Thumbtack where I'm competing with other um, you know professionals for the work is I just make it really easy for the client, right? I, I have a conversation. I've got general pricing in mind. Like I just already gave you examples of, I know about what it's going to take to produce something. So I can give a person a quote in a day, two days, you know, a couple of days at the most. And that's why I'm about velocity. I just say, hey, here's what it is. And I'm ready to roll. I don't, I don't drag it out. I, don't, I make it easy. I basically make it easy as possible for someone to hire me. And I think that's been a really good thing that I've done. And, and I don't yeah. know, maybe other people don't do that quite as, as, as well. So the name of your podcast, uh, and, and uh, again, maybe any other ways that people uh, would be a great front door uh, to engage with you, of course, they could just look it up, is the Engineering Entrepreneur Podcast. And of course, whatever podcast directory you're listening to this show in, you could find it right there. And any other things that people would probably want to look for in terms of like their kind of their first step to engaging with you? Yeah, just go to my website. I have an introduction video there. Um, I'm in the video. I show some of the printers and projects I've done. I've got tons of pictures on the website. I've got a blog in there where I've written, I don't know, probably over 100 articles of different things I've created myself, different uh, inventions I've made, or you know, ones client ones that I'm allowed to show. You know, if if they've already gone to market, you know, there's a lot of non-disclosures, so I have some things I can't discuss, but. Yeah, there's tons of information there. My email's right on there, info at caddesignhelp.com. If you want to contact me directly, it's right on the website. And um, yeah, I mean, it's easy to to find me there. That sounds great. Well, Scott Tarsi, you are the owner of caddesignhelp.com. You're an inventor, engineer, and of course, the host of The Engineering Entrepreneur. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence each month. We scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Mm-hmm.